0: Welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast, where you'll hear from thriving entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers. On the podcast, we discuss how they're knocking down walls, solving problems while sharing their pearls of wisdom, lessons learned, and mistakes to avoid. If you have a business or want to start a business, then you're in the right place. So yeah, I am your host, Jason.
1: And I'm Audrey. For today's episode, we talked to Felicia Gomez from Easton Us. We talk about how she managed to work with her family and how she made a turn from education to technology
0: yeah it was a great episode felicia's wonderful i can't wait for you guys to listen to it so uh enjoy
1: <laughs>
0: well which leads us into right into the podcast felicia so uh if
2: you're already we're already being recorded so um well felicia welcome here and uh, welcome to the the podcast uh uh, uh you know one thing we wanted to make sure we got right right out of the gate was the name of your company we weren't totally sure how to pronounce it yeah we get esonus uh, somebody said
3: it the other day eson usa and i thought wow
2: cool. <laughs> Eson usa <laughs> it's Esonas. okay Esonas. what is that what the what the what is it, it? What I, is how did you come up with that
3: yeah it this is why we have such a hard time choosing dog names too, because they always, always have to have meaning behind them. But um, it has to do with the electrical spark that that kind of um, it's Latin that kind of uh-huh. goes out like a ripple. I don't know. I just um, helped design the logo. I didn't actually choose the name, <laughs> so. Uh,
2: but I well. Well, you know what, since this, you know, we're hoping that you're going to be the spark that ripples out throughout the world on the, this podcast. And you are, since you are the first one, we're hoping that uh, you uh, you set the spark. So awesome. Sure. Awesome. Well, uh, Felicia, we'd, we'd love to hear about your business, yes. uh, what you do to start with.
4: I kind of wanted to ask and and and, uh, form it in this context. How would your parents say what you do? (laughs)
3: Um, (laughs) I I, that is such an interesting question. I think my parents would say they're grateful that it somehow has managed to pay my expenses for the last fifteen years. (laughs) (laughs) So they they try
4: and explain it.
3: Yeah, they would say it's my own business and we do software development. You know, my, my parents came from a generation that you worked at the same job and got your gold watch when you retired. And so this is terrifying to that generation and honestly, to most of my generation as well. Uh, so, you know, the fact that first of all, you're doing it on your own. And then second of all, you're, you're doing something like technology. It's kind of scary for some people. So,
1: Um, I have a question for you. So, I know that women in tech are not that popular. So, how do you how do you gain that power in this industry?
3: So that's a great question, Audrey. I think maybe they are not represented is a good way to put it, right? And and if they're represented, they're represented in the form of the developer role. Um, And even that, I I do employ one um, uh, developer that's a a young lady and she's fantastic, but it took a lot of effort to find her. And as you get into um, more of the CEO, CFO roles in tech companies, they're even less represented there. And so, how I gained my power is what I had to learn is to speak tech. First of all, my background is, is education. I have a master's in education. And so this was quite a shift for me, but um, you, you speak tech. And then I also warn tech, my techs, my engineers, if they use one more acronym with me that I don't understand, I'm going to kill them. (laughs) So, I say that because I think it's important that remember to, you know, not everybody speaks tech. And so we just need to speak to people the way they're going to understand it. Uh, so I think that's probably what I do to gain my power. And plus I own the company. So that works too. Yeah,
0: that mm-hmm. definitely works. Uh, real quick, because we are talking okay. about your company. I do want to see if maybe the if we can inform the listeners on uh, what your company is, what your company does, who are its, you know... Customers exactly, and just really talk about the business itself.
3: Right. So I I actually graduated from the Goldman Sachs 10K Small Business Program a year ago. Okay. Which was very helpful because at the beginning it's a three month kind of mini MBA. I don't know if if you're familiar with it, but you basically do an MBA in three months. And yeah. So when I first got there, I had difficulty with this question. I did not know how to tell what my company did because. Coincidentally, I had no idea what my company did. (laughs) By the end of the three months, the very last session that we had, we had to do our 10-minute elevator pitch. And I had people come up to me and say, until this moment, I had no idea what your company did. So what we do is we have a platform. The development word in the coding world, technical world, is made up of integrations. This speaking to this, right? And so we have an integration that allows companies to move their data for sales, fulfillment, orders from whatever's taking that information into their accounting platform called NetSuite. And we write that piece that allows that to speak, which allows CFOs and finance teams to understand almost in real time what their sales look like. So this helps them in in making many decisions. So that's all we do. That's what we do. And it's pretty simple, although very complex.
0: (laughs) I mean, hey, that was a great explanation, I think, Mm -hmm. for me as well as for anyone who's listening. Um,
3: Another another thing our company does was initially in Utah, for for every 300 jobs, there's one tech. So it's really hard to find engineers to employ in Utah. They're just in demand. And forget trying to get a senior engineer. So we started saying, well, then we're going to pick them right off the tree, green apples. And we have, uh, we actually worked with UVU and got um, interns. They started out as unpaid interns. They moved to paid interns. And then they, two of them have gone, have moved on and gotten jobs with um, companies like Plural Site. So. Oh, wow. It's one of our passions as a business to, to train and teach the proper way to code and to do it in a way that's that's very reliable and best practice. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to train our engineers and utilize them on existing client product and projects, but then they're also getting a lot from it as well. So that's kind of really where we would like to go eventually as a company um, is to train underrepresented groups to code.
2: Wow, that's fantastic. So, so Felicia, how many employees do you have now?
3: We only, we Today. have five. We're about well, six. Team of six right now dissolve. COVID kind of did hit us like it did everybody. <laughs> and we had to, yeah, we had to scale back a little, but it's ramping up again. We expect to to add some more team members shortly.
2: Cool. And uh, how about customers? How many customers do you have?
3: We have, so we sell subscriptions and what I would call custom development. So at any given moment, we could have, we're servicing 10 to 12 customers on our subscription model. And then we are always getting requests for custom development. So that can range from two clients a month to six clients a month, just depending on what their project is and the length of it.
2: Okay. So how did you go from education to, you know, something that people really don't understand?
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, a tech.
3: To we're, we're a fa- yeah, we're a family company. The senior engineer is my husband. And he had an opportunity to take a product with existing clients and support that because it was kind of in a beta state from another company. And so he basically went from having a job to having a company with clients in need of support. And he said to me, would you like to be my operations manager? And I said, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, not, Not really knowing or understanding what that was going to entail. But being a person that is very curious and loves to organize things. I I said, sure. And so um, that, that entailed quite a lot, quite a steep learning curve, but that's how I came from. And, you know, I have written or I I have commissioned to write, I should say, educational software. So it wasn't new to me so much that part of it. Um, But yeah, running the whole company other than the coding. So anything that's not coding is my my purview. Um, that was new.
1: How is it like working with your family?
3: So it's interesting. Um, you have to learn how to separate your work life from your non-work life. And it took us a while to figure that out. And then COVID brings it all home, right? So now we have yeah. home offices. <laughs> Uh, So what it's like is you you have to trust those people that you work with. And there's nobody that I trust more than my family. But that means I also have to trust them to tell me when I'm stepping out of line. And I have to rely that they're going to trust me to say the same thing to them. So there's a lot of trust involved. And there's a lot of risk involved. And I know a lot of people that have asked me that question, would you do it? Um, I don't think I can. I'm like, well, if you don't think you can, then don't because you probably can't <laughs> You <laughs> probably have to go into it. Thinking you're going to make a success of it.
0: Well, I never even thought of it like that. You are a family run business during a pandemic where you guys have to
3: yeah.
0: run your family and your business out of the, out of the same house. Yes. Thank That's so. great. We close doors.
2: So, so it's kind of, so it's kind <laughs> of so like the mafia, Right.
3: It really to... is. And <laughs> happily I'm the boss. So it works. I mean You're
1: that's
0: the boss. Great.
3: That's great to hear.
0: So, somebody's gotta break their legs, right? <laughs> uh, so real quick, I you've been talking about how you got your education and you got it in Utah, you got your masters in Utah, your business is run in Utah. My question is, why Utah? What's what's going on here that's you know been good for the family as well as for the business?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. My son actually got his law degree in Oregon, and then they they got pregnant and had the baby. You know, we were we were even making plans to buy um, a townhome there so we could live six months in Oregon, in Oregon. to be with this grandchild, and six months here. Yeah, and then they decided to move here right before the pandemic. Wow. Yeah, they bought a home and moved here. And that kind of explains what it is for me. And that is family, right? They knew that to do that on their own, they certainly could do it on their own, but they didn't want to do it on their own. And that's because my children grew up with their grandparents and all the things that they taught them and supported them with. That's why it's here. Plus, it's, it's a great place to run a business, especially a tech business right now, as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. We haven't really tapped a lot into that. We haven't needed to. Most of our clients are out of state. You know, we're not that kind of business where geographic really impacts it. Sure. Uh, But for that reason, it, it is great to run a business from Utah.
1: How is it for you? How do you balance between work and time with your family?
3: For me, it's about being organized and being efficient. When I first started, when I first took this over three years ago, I was doing everything and I quickly learned that I needed to start putting on paper or wherever these process and procedures so that I could start turning some stuff over to someone else. And, and I'll give you an example. We took a trip to Australia, a trip we want it's once in a lifetime, right? we planned and it was going to be there for three weeks. And that was two years ago. And I was taking client calls, um, issue calls at four in the morning in Australia. And I said, I am never doing this again. So I have got to figure out how to make that true. And so I just laid it all out. I trained a customer service manager. I now can work on my business instead of in my business. And uh, all the entrepreneurs out there will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. But so I think it's it's a matter of prioritizing, getting efficiencies in place. You know, as entrepreneurs, you think that, that your first thought is when you think about outsourcing anything is, oh, it's gonna cost me money. Oh, it's gonna cost me money. Yeah. Best $20 an hour I ever spent because <laughs> when I start looking at it, you know, the big picture of my finances, it's nothing. It is absolutely nothing. And it has has allowed me to have a personal life. Too bad I didn't know that before I went to Australia, but I'll take another trip after the pandemic. And then maybe we can test that <laughs> theory out. Test it out. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So Felicia, um, that, that's kind of a pearl of wisdom, uh, something that I was looking for, but uh, has it been a, a scenario in your business, or maybe you were on the brink, right? It's like, hey, maybe things got so bad. Maybe it was the pandemic, or maybe some other scenario. You know, you you had to circle the wagons, and uh, you went about through some sort of process. Maybe had an epiphany that got things turned around. What what what, what pearls of wisdom can you share from those kinds of experiences? What kind of framework? Did you build around that to address scenarios like that uh, in the future, if you were able to do that?
3: Yeah, we had a client and it was more, it was moving towards more of a partnership, really. And we were going to be the unique providers of their integrations for all of their clients. And so we were really excited about this. This was going to be, this would allow us as a company to have only one, partner, client that we worked with, right? And so it's like, wow, this is going to really simplify things for us. We're not going to have to worry or concern ourselves with managing workload and saying, okay, we've got too much work. We need to hire another dev. All those things that happen when you're a service industry. And so this was very exciting for us. And we started working with this company and early in, I had this feeling that this was not going to go well. And there were all these little signals, you know, uh, organizationally, uh, communication. We were in different cities and different time zones, which none of that's, all of that's manageable, I should say, if you are with the right partner. Okay. And I will say (laughs) partnerships in business is like a marriage. It's either a good one or it's a bad one. There's very little in between for that. And it ended up being, we were not a good fit. And I I kind of knew that early on, and I kept trying to, you know, put the square peg in the round hole, so to speak, and it just wasn't working. And I should have paid attention to the things that were signaling that this was not going to work and should have just cut it off right then. Instead, it went kind of to a really hard place um, where we finally had to have a conversation to say, this isn't going to work anymore. So I guess my pearl of wisdom is really kind of trust your gut on things like that and listen to it and say, either either I'm going to just suck it up and do it the way it's going and not complain or worry about it anymore, or I'm going to say, I can't, and we have to just end this. Mm-hmm. You know, I look back and I'm like, that was a, a long time because it was. It took about a year to figure oh, wow. that out and to finally make the determination that we weren't going to do business that way anymore. But guess what? It also taught me so much. It taught me that they, we had processes that weren't in place that we needed to have in place. And I could look at that company and go, look at this stuff they're doing wrong. And I took a lot of the stuff that they were doing well, but yeah. you know, to, to trust your gut and choose to go into business with people and choose clients that fit your model, and fit the way you do business. Do not try and turn yourself into a pretzel to, to service a client or, oh. or have a partner.
0: It's good input. I like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask this. You mentioned this earlier, but what advice would you give your younger self?
0: Oh, by the way, and it can't be financial advice.
3: No, it wasn't. I thought I did think about this a little bit, and I would tell my younger self, be curious. And the reason I say that is because as I look back on all the amazing things that I think I've experienced since I was 21, it was because I was curious. I didn't stop myself from trying because I thought it was going to be too hard or I didn't know how to do it. You know, so much advice you're getting these days are like, go, go seek your passion. Well, you know what? I'm not passionate about cleaning the toilets in my house, but they have to be cleaned. And so yeah. I do them really well. They're very clean toilets. <laughs> <laughs> so I I would say be curious and, you know, instead of like seek your passion, maybe find the passion in what you're curious about. Get cool about that and find that. And then you'll be surprised at how many things open up. Did I know? And I, I told the story, this is going to date me again, guys, but... When I graduated from the U, I walked out of the building and I looked to my right and I'm like, what are they doing over there? They were putting in the first computer lab. Oh, yes. The first wow. computer lab. <laughs> wow! So did I ever dream years later that I would, because before I was this, I, I taught, um, I was an online school teacher in Louisiana. Uh-huh. Did I think I was going to be conducting a school class 100% on a computer? Never. Did I think I was going to be leading a software development company? Never. But curiosity is what drove all of that. That is great advice. And save money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking back to kind of how you're talking about, you started from education. Do you think that you've kind of gained any good experiences or good kind of life lessons going from education to kind of this, you know, data analysis type stuff that you're doing now and as well as just running a company?
3: I really care deeply about people. That, that is my most valuable resource in any job I've ever had. And as an educator, I was managing um, teachers and paraprofessionals. You know, they're, they're managing one of the most valuable resources we have in this world, and that is Children. And mm-hmm. so I knew I had to take care of that resource for them to take care of that really valuable resources. Yeah. This. They weren't. But I also thought, you know, I, I, as a manager of teachers, yeah, I could put roller skates on and go teach every class. Sure, let's try that. But then I went, no, let's just teach each of them how to do it really, really well. And so I think I bring that into almost every situation, job, business that I've ever had. And that is understanding what the valuable resource is in whatever you're doing and cultivating and taking care of that. That That's what I bring to every situation, I would say too. Like even Omar and I are in board meetings, yeah. um, the mill, and I can tell what he cares deeply about. And I hope I hope it comes out what I care deeply about too in those meetings. So I think it's kind of a driving principle.
0: Wow. You're definitely answering these questions a lot better than I imagined in my head.
1: You,
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: There's a lot of, I mean, it's really good. You you have a lot of insight. Um, it's,
3: <laughs> I like to talk, Jason. Well, that's good. <laughs> and I you're can tell really, that you, yeah, you're really can, good at that too. It'll I be can so tell
0: that you like podcasts.
3: You. <laughs> Does anyone want to talk to him tonight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe. Um, do you have any book or podcast recommendation for a listener or anyone out there um, that would be great to hear?
3: Yeah, for I'm gonna forget the name of this one. <laughs> oh, it's it's the best business. What's book it about? I think, you, I think you you'll know it, Omar. It's the one about he talks to um, businesses. And he he talks specifically about working in your business, not on your business. I I don't know it. (laughs) I will send it. Is
2: it something about scale?
3: No, he talks about, oh, (laughs) I'll I'll get it for you. This is so bad. I didn't know you were going to have that. Shoot. I should have had that on the tip of my finger. But, But the book talks, he goes through and he talks to a woman who owns a pie shop and he explains, and she loves baking pies, but then her business gets to a point where, she has to work on, like, actually making money, baking pies instead of just baking pies, and he, so he go. That's how he goes through to explain why an entrepreneur needs to work on their business, not in their business. Um, so that's one. And then there's another one called Elephants, um, who said elephants can't dance. That's a great entrepreneur mm-hmm. book about a very much bigger business.
0: I just tried to look it up. Was it called Email? No, yes,
3: email. Revisited. it. Good work,
0: Jason. I was just trying to look it it up real quick. I
3: read it like (laughs) it's amazing.
2: (laughs) I have heard of it. Yeah, it's great. Didn't remember the name.
3: Easy read, really, really good takeaways too. So I
4: had a question. I was just curious. Software is one of those things where I know you, you sometimes hit those roadblocks that are very difficult to overcome how do you deal with your weaknesses and how do you overcome them
3: so i was actually listening to a podcast today and it just struck me because he said if you're not changing your process and procedures as a small well he didn't say small but as a business then you're stagnating and it's funny cuz i always looked at that as a weakness i was like oh my gosh if we don't have these nailed down and everybody knows that exactly when this happens they do this you know we're a we're a failure so i think what we do and it's it's what bigger business and, and the biggest business of all the government has a hard time doing right you cannot steer that ship to the right very fast <laughs> whereas if you're an agile business and, and we we do agile development which means we are we we code a little we test it out we code a little we test it out and see you know till we end up with what the client or customer needs so I think that idea of being agile, also in in approaching your business, is a good idea to not feel like that. You know, because if if we had been that way, those of us that went through and made it through the pandemic, could we've been so rigid in? Well, you know, it's just got to be like this, and and nothing's gonna. Well, it's a pandemic. <laughs> oh, come on! You you have to be flexible and be willing to try things, reevaluate, try again, reevaluate. Now, even as I say that, it just scares me because I am a person of scheduling and I like to have things in their place. But this has taught me that, you know, being that way doesn't, it also doesn't take care of my resources very well. It doesn't honor my, my developers. If I'm, you know, I ask Mm -hmm. them all the time, what about our project management tool do you hate? (laughs) Why, why aren't you doing this? Because you have this vision. You're like, oh, if I do this, then it'll be miraculous and everyone will do it. and It'll be perfect. And the world will be beautiful. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, we case. <laughs> so you have to be able to be flexible, be agile and and make changes where you can, right? Because there are lots of places you can.
4: Right, And then I'd say, following up to that, I was curious, what, tell me about a moment, it doesn't have to be in specifics, but tell me about a moment where you felt like you were really doing your best, you were doing your A job work and maybe making the world a better place while you were at it.
3: So we hired a developer who is, in my opinion, and our senior engineer's opinion, a genius. He really is a genius. But he had some really challenging health issues. And this is why um, working for us in our situation worked for him, because the other places he worked for were not as flexible with his schedule and with his health challenges that he had and so we just had a discussion as a business as a company we decided we said what what do we do you know cuz it is challenging as a business to have someone that's kind of coming in and going out all the time especially in development right mm-hmm. so we said how do we structure this so that if he has to drop out it doesn't impact us too severely and so we did we we developed our Our um, actually, our project management around that idea. And so, what came out of it is he was able to finish the project, and we were able to step in when necessary because of the processes we set up in our project management. We didn't have any downtime, which meant our senior developers and our developer were communicating really efficiently through the project management tool, right? The way it's designed to be. But had we not had we not kind of been forced into that due to his situation, um, I'm not sure we would have understood it as well as we do. So, so it was a social good too, because I we our developers are <laughs> hopefully none of them will hear this. <laughs> <laughs> different. They're, they're very unique people and, and they're awesome, all of them, but you know, you, they, they may not be the people you pick out of a lineup and go, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I, we really honored that in him and said, we're going to accept what you don't have. And we're going to try and work with that. And so that felt really good.
4: That's really interesting. So a lot of what I'm hearing seems to be say, sticking around a central theme of staying open, staying flexible, um, being curious, staying creative. So would you say that that's some pretty sound business advice?
3: I would. I mean, it's probably very uh, non-traditional business advice, maybe I don't know, but I, I would think that you know there's a there's lot there's millions of books on how to run your business, how to create a marketing, how to do all of that. But in all of that, sometimes for me, the humanity is missing from it. And that's just not the kind of business I want to run. Will I be a gazillionaire because of it? Probably not. But I'm okay with that. It's
4: a good perspective. I, that. I think you probably are headed towards gazillionaire status one day. <laughs> uh, you, keep, you put people first and people look out for you and support you.
2: I think that, you know, we don't know that it, it, it's uh, the storybook's not uh, finished yet, so you may be a gazillionaire. But, uh, you know, it, it's the short game and the long game. I mean, I, it sounds to me like you're playing the long game. It remains to be seen.
3: Listen, guys, I can... The greatest thing I do, though, is uh, right at 3 o'clock, I go and get in my hot tub. That
0: time's 3. coming soon.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so that's worth a lot to me, right? And sometimes my granddaughter drops over at 1 o'clock and... We go for walks and we play for in the middle of the day. So that, how can you not be grateful for that?
0: That's that's really good. I'm I can't wait for people to listen to this. Mm-hmm. Um, we have re- reached kind of the t- a lot of time. So I do thank you for coming on and speaking with us, giving us advice, giving the listeners advice. We can give you a little bit of time for kind of the platform to be yours. If there's anything you want to plug, you know, if there's anything you really want to uh, make sure that you mention to the listeners. Uh, for your business or just for for advice sake.
3: So I, I thought about this too, and you know, as an entrepreneur, I think we—it's a very lonely world. I, I think Omar, you will, you would suggest that's true as well. You're you are alone, right? And you think you are the only one out there doing it and feeling the way you feel. And mm-hmm. I. Like, I'm so excited that the three of you are in marketing. Like, I'm seriously going to call you after this because <laughs> I don't know anything about marketing and I really don't want to know anything about marketing, <laughs> to be honest with you. So you have your strengths, right? You have your things you do well and go and surround yourself. And as you pointed out, Raymond, um, make those connections with people that have what you don't have, right? That, that is how great organizations are built. And you, you have to have leaders that are willing to say, I don't have this. This is not me. So I've got to go out and find that to help my organization be strong, to help my, my business grow. If you can't do that, then you are, in my opinion, not a very good great leader. <laughs> and I think right now in this world, we need many, many businesses that have great leaders. And, and I hope that you can find them on your podcast. I'm anxious to hear from some of them.
0: Thank you very much, Felicia. Appreciate it.
3: Thanks guys. Awesome.
2: Thank you. Thank, no, thank you for taking time. We know you're busy. And uh, so we're uh, eternally uh, indebted to you here at least for the first one for uh, being brave. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, never too busy. It's all, it's all karma, right, guys?
0: Exactly.
3: <laughs> Take care,
1: everyone. Kay. Keep in touch. bye Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you have a business of 50 employees or more and you want to share your insights and story with us, visit our sponsor website, learnfountain.com or call us at 844-648-2815.